Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Public Health Pharmacist podcast. Today, I have an amazing guest. Um, I feel so fortunate to bring just phenomenal powerhouse women um, to the podcast because I am a huge supporter of women. And then obviously, during our current uh, global pandemic, um, I want to bring relevant information and things that would be helpful. So Kane Corder is here, and I'm going to go ahead and let her introduce herself and her practice because I feel like we all need some peace. And um, <laughs> for those of you guys who are on the podcast versus the YouTube channel seeing this, she has an awesome shirt on right now that says Peace Party, and I think we could all use a little bit of peace in our lives right now. So yes. without further ado... Ah, yes. So thank you for having me, Christina. I am Kene Quarter, and I'm a national certified counselor in what is known as a clinical hypnotherapist, which here in Vegas, when you say hypnotherapist, we think of totally different thing, yes. but a clinical hypnotherapist. And I specialize in midlife crisis. And even though what we're going through right now is a crisis, not necessarily a midlife crisis, but that's what I specialize in. I love working with men going through midlife crisis, but how high-powered women who go through midlife crisis as well. So that's my specialty. That's where I shine. I created a system called Control the Controllable, and Control the Controllable is a program that I send men through inside of a private club. So it's only high-powered CEO, high-achiever types in there. So they feel comfortable sharing with each other, um, but mostly the one-on-one. So I do a lot of one-on-one counseling and therapy. Uh, I came from a trauma background. I worked in the hospital, a psychiatric hospital, and that's where I got a lot of my trauma training. And um, I found that hypnotherapy was the best, the absolute best medicine for uh, trauma, for healing trauma. So right now, my practice is virtual. I did start out with a a practice inside of a building like most people. And then about a year ago, I decided to go virtual. So I was a little bit ahead of this curve. So I still have a virtual practice and um, thrive around that because I have all the systems set up and we are already in place to have virtual one-on-one sessions as well as group sessions. That's amazing. So uh, for those of our listeners who are maybe not as familiar with clinical hypnotherapy, could you maybe Mm -hmm. explain a little bit of like how that may be a little bit different than sort of traditional therapy? I mean, obviously you are a certified Mm -hmm. counselor as well, but can you maybe explain a little bit of like the difference and sort of how that looks? Because I don't think a lot of people are familiar with hypnotherapy and specifically clinical hypnotherapy other than like you know let's make people you know balk like a chicken on the strip kind of thing right (laughs) you know exactly so right so whatever you had in your head about what hypnotherapy is first like it's not that it's not like what you see in the movies (laughs) or if you were at a Vegas show it is not that it is not entertainment Uh, what clinical hypnotherapy is it's It's a modality, it's a healing modality. And what it does is it works with the subconscious brain, which is where all of our decisions are made. We think we're making decisions with our conscious brain, but not usually. We're usually making decisions with our subconscious brain. 
and that information was set inside our brains between zero and seven years old. And between zero and seven years old, we made some interpretations of what we thought things meant. And because of that, we play those things out in our lives. And when people say that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different result, well, really, that's the definition of humanity, because we all do it. It's the way that the brain works. And what hypnotherapy does is help the brain stop seeing that same thing, and it can see the other options. Because right now, we think, this happens, I react this way. This happens, I react this way. We always do it. It's like, And then you even ask yourself, why do I always do that? And it's because the brain goes to familiar. The brain sees familiar as good and unfamiliar as bad. So even if it's something that is good for you and healthy, the brain says, nope, I don't know it, so I'm not going that way. Over here, this thing is familiar, I'm going that way. So what hypnotherapy helps you do is to open up those options so you stop going towards the familiar. You might go to something that's unfamiliar if you can see that it is healthier or for your best and highest good. And hypnotherapy helps you be able to do that. Now, how that's different from traditional talk therapy is that talk therapy is one session at a time. You talk it over, you get it out, and it could take years before you get to the insight or the change that you needed. And hypnotherapy, first of all, insight is not required for healing. You do not even have to know what happened to you. All you have to know is that something happened, but you do That's not really, have to know. Yeah, that's really interesting. So I think a lot of times people have hesitance, especially opening up about whatever the trauma is because they don't want to feel vulnerable because they don't want to tell another person what that trauma mm -hmm. was. But that's really interesting that with um, clinical hypnotherapy that you don't even need to know what the actual trauma is to still be able to provide them with care and relief. So that's mm -hmm. really interesting. I didn't know that. Um, and I think, you know, for me personally, um, if I was concerned about, you know, oversharing or maybe mm -hmm. the fear of judgment because of disclosure, that would be more attractive to me maybe than traditional therapy because I wouldn't have to disclose something and still be able to get some type of relief from what I'm suffering from. Absolutely. And the difference, the, another difference is that when you share over and over and over again what happened to you, you really re-traumatize yourself. Yep. And the therapist can become traumatized by hearing your story because they're secondary trauma trauma as well. Like PTSD, a lot of oh, times wow. not necessarily from seeing the crime happen, but like the first responders coming up and seeing what, what happened to you on that scene, you can get PTSD from that. It's the same thing. The, the therapist hearing that story that you tell over and over and over again, we can also become traumatized. And so hypnotherapy protects us and it protects you from becoming re-traumatized. Wow, that's so interesting because I know, I mean, especially right now, um, you know, obviously uh, with healthcare workers, you know, feeling very vulnerable with the pandemic and not having enough protective equipment, it's almost like every mm -hmm. time they go to work, it's like this fear of potentially yeah. becoming infected. And then, like, if they do become infected, bringing it back home to their family members. So, I'm you know, personally, like that's making me concerned about not just 
their ability to get infected with the virus, but their mental health and like, how is that, you know, yeah. impacting their ability to treat patients? So like, are they treating patients differently because they're seeing everybody as a potential like infectious you know, being versus like, here, I'm here to help you. That's yes. very. And, and you can do both because, and, and as a healthcare worker myself, that is how we're trained. We are trained to see everybody as infected, whether you're infected with any um, right. virus, whether it be HIV or, or COVID-19. Um, you do approach each patient like they are infected. When I worked in the hospital, there was no, oh, it's okay. No, it's not okay. Mm -hmm. You, you know, you, you act as if. And mm -hmm. that is the sentence that each healthcare worker should have in their head, act as if. However, control the controllables. It goes right behind that. You know, mm -hmm. act as if every patient does, is infected, but control the controllables to keep yourself safe. So can you still have compassion? Can you still have empathy and all of that? Can you still care about the patients? and know that and believe that they are infected, absolutely you can. And you know why? Because if you found that somebody actually, absolutely was infected with COVID-19 or even HIV, you would still have compassion for them. And if you didn't, it's because you didn't have compassion in the first place. So oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So that's so funny that you brought that up because, you know, my personal practice, um, I deal with a lot of um, you know, sexual health and, you know, obviously trauma, you talked about that. Um, I'm on the board of a nonprofit here in town that helps women and girls who've been victims of sex trafficking. And I see so many parallels with this and the beginning of the HIV epidemic. It's so mm, interesting um, that there's just this very, like, you know, the fact that we have an RNA test, but no ELISA test and no antibody test yet. Like, the way that, you know, everybody is being treated as infectious and not knowing exactly how to, um, you know, screen appropriately because we didn't know exactly how it was transmitted. So like, it's just so interesting. I mean, obviously I've been working in public health now. Um, it's almost 12 years, but I've been a pharmacist for almost 16 years. This is my 16th year as a pharmacist. But I remember like when I was in training, when you know we had entire floors of the hospital that were just dedicated to HIV patients, and I just spoke with a, a clinical pharmacist that I know that works at a local hospital, and she told me she's like my my ICU is now a COVID ICU. Now we have an entire ICU that's just COVID because like we we have to contain it. We have to ha we can't just have you know. COVID patients with non-COVID patients, like it's yeah. so interesting. Like it's very, like very similar to what we saw with yeah. HIV. Absolutely. So. And can you imagine the trauma associated with? Oh my gosh. Like, because if you get the flu, if you get a cold, even if you've got another Corona strand, right? Because it's you, a family of viruses, right? It's yeah. not. It's yeah. Exactly. You go on about life, and you're like, I, I had the flu, and you don't even remember. Somebody said, when was the last time you had the flu? You're like, uh, uh, I'm sure if you think about it really hard, you can get to it, right? You can access it. But if you have been diagnosed with COVID-19, even if you heal from it, that could be traumatizing to you. Oh my because gosh. of all of the information and the hype and the, the concentration mm -hmm. that has gone around it, it is completely different than how you would 
have reacted if you got any other virus or flu or even a cold. And so that alone, the, the fact that it's heightened, it creates a certain amount of trauma because when I say trauma, people think that means sex trafficking or sexual assault, you know, maybe you fell off a mountain, whatever, something mm -hmm. like that. Physical, trauma. something physical. When they hear trauma, they think physical. Yeah, and trauma is really, really based on what your brain decides mm -hmm. is trauma. Let me tell you about one silly little trauma I had. I was carrying a cup, like a, you know how they put all the drinks inside those little carrying things? Yeah. So I was carrying all of our drinks, my whole family. And all the day long, my mom kept saying she couldn't wait to have this particular drink. Now you had oh. to go to this particular place. They only made it there. It was like, we drove to the place. She got her drink. I'm carrying all of the drinks. The dog jumps on me. Oh, no. I drop all of the drinks. <gasps> and just like that, that's exactly what my mom said. Oh, no. And I was like, every time I heard, oh, no, after that, it was like, I, I almost cringe if it was me and oh no, and somebody said, oh no, can I? Because that's what she said, oh no, can I? And I was like, so It's almost that, like you're like, it was like you were re-traumatized every yes. time. Yes, you could say, oh no. And I was still like, okay, what did I do? Okay, I got to fix this, right? Because yeah. in my brain, I had just disappointed my mom. Mm. And it, she did not even remember this story, of course, right? Yes. <laughs> Of course. But to my seven-year-old brain, or however old I was when this happened, I think I might have been like nine or ten. But to my little brain, that wow. was the most devastating thing that happened to her. And she has much bigger problems than me dropping her drinks at this time in her life, right? But to my 10-year-old brain, I was like, oh my gosh, she was looking forward to this all day. I ruined her day. Night, yeah. My mom is the sweetest lady. Like, she would never make me feel that way, but I took it that way. So you just it's, never know yeah. what your brain is going to code as trauma. So like, it's almost like that internalizing, like you don't know yep. how you're going to internalize something. And so like for me, oh, I'm sorry. My daughter is crying in the background. One second. She's it's okay, I don't not hear happy. Do you hear it? Mm -mm. Oh, okay. Well then I'll just, I'll just keep on trucking along and I can edit this. <laughs> Uh, so for me, like I said before, you know, when I, when I worked, um, as a trainee, it was when, you know, we still didn't have a lot of available treatments and not just that we didn't have a lot of treatments for people with a positive status, but that we didn't have effective regimens and they were very toxic. And so mm -hmm. I have a vivid memory, a very visceral memory of being with my preceptor at the time and him telling me, don't get attached because your patient may not be there tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And like that still to this day, like this is probably why I was never interested in like pain or palliative care or like hospice care. Cause I just like, didn't have the emotional capital to spend to like, cause I tell my students this all the time. Like if you don't have the emotional capital, then don't spend it. Like you can't internalize those things to the point where now like you, your empathy is now impacting your own mental health, which is what you talked about yep. before, which is, you know, like you don't want to hear about their trauma, not because you don't want to, you know, help them. It's because you're protecting yourself. Yeah. Right. Cause exactly. again, it's that emotional capital like it's like currency it's money like if you mm -hmm. don't have it to spend don't spend it right yeah absolutely <laughs> and that's why in, in my company so 
normally we have a program and I ask for people to dedicate 12 to 16 weeks with me oh, when wow. we That's work a together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that is because I know if they do four weeks, they're just going to get well enough to get back out there and get sick again, right? And, and I'm using this analogy because I don't consider people who come to me sick or anything like that. Really, when they come to me, I tell them, there's nothing wrong with you. You're fine. What is happening is you've been traumatized and we need to get to your subconscious brain and right. delete that trauma so that you can show up the way that you actually are because you are fine. The trauma that lives inside of your brain is not fine. So I'm asking you this question, and that is, is it okay for you to be okay, even though what happened to you was not okay? So if they are okay with being okay, that's the first question I want to ask them. The second question is, on a scale from one to 10, one being, I'm not going to do anything you ask me to do, 10 being, I will follow every single direction. Where are you? You know, how ready? That's so interesting. Yeah. And then they may say seven, eight, nine, ten. If they say anything lower than seven, then we cannot work together right now. Now, right. During, I bring that up because that's normally the way I work. During this crisis, mm-hmm. I know that people might come once, twice, three times, you know, tops, and then they won't come back again because they are just trying to feel an immediate need. So that's more like situational um, right. versus like long term, like building the foundation for, you know, self-betterment and sort of like turning the corner. Um, Cause I know you work with, you know, very high power clients. So they're already mm-hmm. very high functioning, but something's going on with them that they're right. not able to like really function at their peak, even though they're still exactly. able to maintain. Right. Right. And most, most of the time when somebody sees a therapist, it's because of, because of a situation, like the situation is what got you to call me. So I always ask that question in my consultation, which is what brings you here? Right. So they're going to say, Oh, my wife is going to leave me if I don't stop being so mean. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a big (laughs) one. Mm -hmm. And I, that's so interesting because I feel like right now, because we're all stuck in our houses together, like, what is that? You know, like, I mean, I feel so incredibly fortunate because I adore my husband and I love my kids, but it's still been super stressful. So it's like, whatever was like underlying is like going to be magnified like 20, 30 times because you're around that person constantly. Or if you're a child that maybe is living in a situation that's like not the best, like Mm. your only respite may have been going to school and now you can't even go to school. Right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that I'm going to touch on two points. Um, One, I want to touch on the kids but I'm gonna to touch on the couples first. And, and just to give like a little tip, one of the things is this is where you get really good at setting boundaries. And if you have a favorite place, like you have a favorite place in the house, and let's say everybody's favorite place is this one place, then you'll have to set some boundaries around, okay, well, I'm gonna be there during this time and this time. Mommy's time in the, in the favorite place is 12 to two. When I go in from, at 12 o'clock, just look at the clock, here, you'll, I'll be out at two, right? You say that to your children, you say that to your spouse. And if everybody has their time, then it's a team effort. You have your favorite place and you set boundaries. When I go here, everything is fine. I'm okay. You don't have to worry about me because sometimes it's like, well, is it okay? Did I mess up? Is that why she went in the room? You know, and if you leave us right. to our own devices, 
we'll make up a story about how we somehow hurt you and that's why you went into your favorite place. When really you just wanted to go into your favorite place. That's it, that's all. It's really no story behind it. And so if we all set some boundaries to say, when I do this, you do this. Mm -hmm. When I go in here, you just be whoever you want to be. I'm not going to come out. Like Mm -hmm. right now, you and I are in this Zoom room. We are (laughs) focused on each other and you're not focused on anybody else. Vice, you know, same for me. So they know, they, somebody has to know that this is what's going to happen during this time. Whether you're in another place or you're at home, you can still set boundaries. But do it not when you're in an argument. So you can't set those boundaries during an argument. You right. That's like the first. worst time to do it. Exactly. Pre-argument. So having some, and I'm calling them house rules, but you can call them whatever you want. That's just a generic term to throw it out there but have some house rules. And then the second part of that is, I call it a mission statement. You just have a family mission statement. Like mm-hmm. like my shirt says peace party, right? Mm-hmm. That is number one, peace is our priority. That is absolutely number one. And when that is threatened, then we need to know what's threatened our peace. Let's, and then we find that common enemy. So that's the second part of that. You have your family mission, which you set your priority. And then you find what is the common enemy. So what threatened our, our peace? So it's not that Christina threatened my peace. It was that the frustration. Mm-hmm. Now we're both mad at the frustration. We're both mad at, you know, the isolation or we're both mad that, you know, whatever it is, the common enemy. But mm-hmm. set it outside of the two people or three people or the family members. It needs to be a third, a third party, an outside party. And, and then it's like- both of you can to fix it. Yeah. Cause it's like the discontent breeds more discontent. Right. So it's like, mm-hmm. it, it's almost like this, like self-perpetuating prophecy. It's like, you're upset. And then I'm upset. Cause you're upset. Cause it's like, why are you upset? You don't have anything to be upset about. Like we're all in the same boat. <laughs> and then that like makes me frustrated. And then it makes the kids frustrated because they can see that you guys aren't getting along. And then like they feed on that. And then it's just this yeah. like vicious cycle. So exactly. yeah, I mean, yes. I'm not going to lie and say that that didn't describe something that's happened in my house recently, <laughs> right. yes. but um, yeah. I, just, I feel us. like it's all, it's, yeah. Totally. The struggle yeah. is real. I'm on the struggle bus <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yes. All of us. And even with people you adore, they're still going to get on your note. You can, you can adore somebody and still be annoyed by them. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm like, I'm, I love you, but I'm not in love with you right now. Right now. <laughs> How do you think we're going to be able to fix this? Exactly. What do you think? So find the common enemy. First go, what is the priority? Peace is the priority or whatever your word, mm-hmm. what you find the word for your family. And then how do you get back there? You get back there by overcoming the common enemy. And so that's what you do as a, I think as a family, you do that. Um, but especially as a couple. And then I want to talk about the children. So the children are, they can become annoyed by parents, especially if they're teenagers, and then they can annoy their parents. Mm-hmm. And if they are in a household where annoying your parent means trouble, means more trauma to you, then they don't have anybody to talk to. They don't have any outlets usually. And like you said, school is their solace. So they go to school so they can get away, so they can get some some time away from that abuse yeah. or that frustration that they, and they don't have that right now. So as much as we can, 
communicating with our schools, not even like I, my daughter is 28 years old. So I don't have any kids to, to care about really, you know, but I think it's all of our responsibility to say, make sure that the schools are doing something about this because there are kids and I've seen them not just in the psychiatric hospital, but in my private practice where people come and drop their teenagers off to me and like, fix this kid, he's crazy. And I'm like, no, this kid was taught by two people and who taught him to be this way? So right. this kid is not crazy and you're not gonna bring him in here telling him that and I'm not gonna let you put that in his head. He is fine. Now, if we want to, as a family, you wanna work on this and, and fix the system, remember the common enemy, right. the system, that has created this child to be this way, we could do that, but this kid is okay. Yeah, it's like they kids are they come out of the box like factory wiped. Like you you have to program them. <laughs> like exactly. Like, like they don't come out of the box with like all these like issues. Like they had mm-hmm. to get them somewhere, right? Exactly. Like yeah. we mm-hmm. did that to them, you know, which right. is so much responsibility too, which I think a lot of parents are struggling with right now because if they are still employed and have the luxury, and I do say luxury of being able to work from home, they are struggling with being, having that responsibility on top Mm -hmm. of now having to homeschool their children in a lot of cases, because all of the schools are now closed. Um, and then feeling like, oh my gosh, you know, like I'm molding this child and it's like, what example am I setting for them? And then how am I helping them to be able to develop, you know, those social skills when now we have to physically be distanced? Right, exactly. And to not even feel like you are equipped to do what they just threw in your lap as what your responsibility, you didn't even feel equipped to be a parent. Cause I mean, come on how many parents actually feel equipped, right? And None. then you got- And if, they, if they're not admitting to that, then they are lying to themselves. Right. <laughs> I have too. And I, every day I'm like, good Lord, thank you that they both are survived. Like, <laughs> like that, is my, that is the only goal I have is just survival of children. Yes. Like that's yes. it's like bare minimum threshold. Like it's both <laughs> fed, living, breathing, yeah. we're good. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Yay. Yay team. Mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you, you throw that on top. And so you, the parents need an outlet. The children need an outlet. Everybody needs an outlet. And we're all having conversations. We're just probably having them with people who don't know how, are not equipped to have the conversation with us. That's why having a therapist, whether virtual or in office can be helpful because one, we can get you out of that loop. He did this and he did that and he did this. It's like, no, get out of that loop. Go this way. You already told that story a hundred times and your girlfriends are going to listen to it because they want you to listen to their loop. So, Oh my gosh, know? that's so funny. So, so I went to a TEDx conference, like first time I've ever done this. It was in Reno um, before all of the crazy, it was actually one of the last times I was on a plane. Mm. Um, and it was the beginning of February and, or sorry, end of February, it was February 29th. Cause I remember, cause it was our bonus day. Cause it's leap year. Right. So uh-huh. one of the speakers, he is a professional coach and he wrote this book on coaching and his whole thing is that like, we all have something called an advice monster. 
So mm -hmm. like you have to control your advice monster. So like when we're talking to people, we don't listen because our advice monster is like teeming to give this person advice that's unsolicited. Mm -hmm. Right. So like you have to calm your advice monster. So like yeah. I struggle with that often. So if I'm going to a girlfriend and I know that my girlfriend is, you know, dealing with something right now, I try very hard to just listen because mm. more the time, like more than ever now, just because we don't have that outlet and we're not able to socialize, like just listen to people, like suppress yes. that advice monster, like don't give <laughs> unsolicited advice. Don't be like, you know what your problem is right? Acting like an old grandma. Like, you know what your problem is? No, no, I don't know what my problem is. And that's why I'm, and I, I don't want to know. <laughs> yes. So that's why having a therapist or somebody to talk to, whether it's during this crisis or otherwise, you know, whether it's to heal your trauma or otherwise, is really important. And because of the crisis, like I said earlier, I typically see people going through midlife crisis, but because of this current, and I'm not even just focused on the health crisis that we're going through. There's a financial crisis happening right under Oh my gosh. And I'm so, so scary. I actually am a financial therapist, you know, in the financial therapy association because my background is in finance. I left my finance career to become a therapist. So I talk a lot about, and working with CEOs and high achievers, money comes up a lot. And trying to turn their money into meaning is a, a big part of the conversation. And so this, this financial crisis is going to be much worse and last much longer than this COVID crisis is. And that's the real conversation that we should be having because it's going to hit. And when it does, wow, you're going to need somebody to talk to. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Kanae, you were like such a wealth of information. I wish I could talk to you forever. Um, <laughs> I, I will be scheduling my personal appointment soon. Um, yes. yes. <laughs> every, I feel every, what I've learned is that we all have trauma. I just told you the story about my mom and her drink, right? That mm -hmm. was my, uh, one of, just one of my traumas that I had to heal. I think every therapist should be doing their work because just like you said about parents, where parents, we have a responsibility to raise our children a certain way. And in order to do that, we have to do our work. Same thing with therapists. If I'm going to help you heal, I have to be healed. And I can't do that if I'm encumbered by my right. old traumas. And so that is really important. But what I was going to say earlier is because of our you know, current crisis, we did as a company decide that we're going to do some free group therapy, or we don't really call it therapy. We call it conversations. It's just free group sessions. And we have a teenage group. We have a young adult group and we have a, a group for mothers. And then I still run my group for men and my private conversations. I'm also doing private conversations with teenagers, mothers, and um, young adults right now too, which I don't typically take them on. And we have a a little bit of a special, like we don't, we do a free consultation. We don't work for free. Just like you can't go to Walmart and get anything for free or Target or get anything for free. We don't work for free. I, mm -hmm. I, if I was independently wealthy, believe me, I would do therapy for free, but I am not. This golf course behind me, <laughs> I don't own it. <laughs> I don't even live on it. So, so we don't have three free therapy one-on-one sessions. We did create the free group sessions 
And that was important because we know that people need to talk to socialize and that socialization is going to be helpful. And just knowing that you're not the only one going through this, you are not alone. There's somebody else going through it too. And you should be able to talk to some people who can identify with your place because moms have a different place. You know, dads have a different place. Teenagers have a different place. We all have a different perspective on how this is affecting us and we need to get it out. Yeah, I saw, so the World Health Organization actually just released a statistic that like over 60% of people, I think, actually, no, I think it's 70% of um, the people who are working on the front line are women taking care of somebody with COVID, whether that's Mm. a family member or a direct healthcare professional, but 70% are women. Because so wow. many of our healthcare professionals, especially like nurses, is nurses. very mm-hmm. much dominated by women. That's yep. seven, like this, this is overwhelmingly impacting women more than it's impacting men. Yeah, so yeah. Just absolutely. Yeah, I just saw that and I was like, wow, that really hits home. So we got to make sure that we take care of our moms and our sisters and our aunties and, and you know, everybody's got to come together. So I know yes. you have lots of stuff going on today and I, really I know. appreciate your time, but a couple and things. And I do want to say, oh, I, yeah, will, ahead, sorry. I will have, so we typically, I'll give a hundred dollars off. Like our sessions are usually about $200. So a hundred dollars off for anybody listening to this, this podcast. So um, if they do, we'll make a coupon code. So it'll okay. be PHRX. Okay. So, Public Health mm-hmm. RX. Yeah, I like it. So we'll Sounds put that good. together. I'll, I'll get that up before this is live and um, make sure that people have that. They can get, if it's a private conversation, remember the group is free. So you will go to presidentiallifestyle.com in order to um, join the free group. Awesome. So there were just three things that you could just like mm-hmm. summarize and encapsulate, like how, you know, we, I know you talked about the like control the controllable, but um, just like three, just like highlights that you'd like to leave the listener um, slash viewers to um, while we were, we are all in this together during COVID-19. Um, what would you say? Um, number one, this is unrelated to you. This is going to be, so think about service because when we are always in our own heads about what's so bad about what's happening to us is heavy and it causes anxiety and sometimes depression. Go to service, think about who can you serve. Mm -hmm. And like, for instance, for example, I'm serving small businesses. That is my platform. I'm I'm an advocate for doing small businesses right now. Big business is not hurting. It's not hurting at all. Small businesses are, which is why we still do our free consultation. We added our free group, but we can't go to free because we still have to stay alive because if there are no therapists if there are no massage therapists if there are no even dentists you know if, if, if the dentist next down the street from you can't stay in business then what are we going to do yeah. so serve 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 and for me that's small businesses i am getting the word out like let's do business with small business you choose what you choose now normally we have a different platform which is domestic violence and financial abuse but right now I'm just focused on small businesses. So that's number one, serve, so you can get off of your mind your problems and get somebody else on your mind. Number two is when you think about the trauma that you already have, it's gonna be heightened right now. 
So you're already aware that you have trauma. You know it, we all do, and you know you do. So what I want you to do is know that it is gonna be heightened. Give yourself permission to be a little bit more frustrated, to be a little bit more irritated, to be triggered more often. Give yourself permission, but as soon as the time is right, as soon as you get a chance, whether virtually or in office, say, I am going to take care of that trauma. Like give yourself permission to feel whatever it is you're feeling right now, because it is all okay. And then the third one that I, I want to say is, if you're giving yourself permission, you also have to give the people around you permission mm. to be irritated and frustrated and triggered, because yes. none of it is personal. Nothing that others do is because of you. Wow, that's so great. Thank you so much. And if people want to get in touch with you, um, how can they connect with you on social media or get a hold of your practice? So on social media, I'm normally on Instagram or LinkedIn. And so you can find me, it's Kanae Quarter on both. So Instagram is like the fun version of me and LinkedIn is like the professional version of me. But on Instagram, I'm giving you nutritional tips because your health, your mental health is, is a, it's a lot associated with it. It's your sleep, it's your nutrition, it's your physical activity, it's the people you love, it's your adventure. And so I'm posting all of that to help you kind of see, oh, it's not just about the one hour you spend with your therapist. No, it is a lifestyle. Health, mental health is a lifestyle. And so I post that kind of stuff on Instagram, which is Kene Quarter, and then LinkedIn, um, a lot of videos and stuff like that. And then um, the website is the best place, presidentiallifestyle.com, because we have a blog and I have a podcast, Presidential Experience but we put the episodes of the podcast on our website. If you go to presidentiallifestyle.com and then you just click on blogs, we usually have some show notes in there and then the link to, you can listen to the podcast. So if you want to schedule a private conversation or you want to join one of those free groups, they're going to presidentiallifestyle.com is the best place for the free groups. If you want the private conversation, then presidentiallifestyle.com slash private dash conversation. However, don't forget to use your coupon code so you don't have to pay full price. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much. Okay. You're I'm going to let you run. Okay. Amazing. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. All right. So here, I'm going to stop the recording.